Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Writer's Advice Podcast. I am very excited for today's guest, but quickly, just a quick note from our sponsor, which is Booksprout. So Booksprout is your go-to service, online service for any writers out there who want to share their book as an advanced reader copy to gain reviews before it's out there. So we all know as writers how important reviews are or if you are a reader and you want to read someone's book before it's even out there and you want to be the first person to get about it, then you make sure that you use Booksprout. It's kind of like NetGalley, but I love Booksprout a little bit more. (laughs) I'm sorry, NetGalley, I love you, but the reason I love Booksprout is it's because it's more personal. So people who read your, your books, you have more control over it. You can chat to them about your creation and your beautiful works and get more feedback and also create a really great relationship with your readers through that way. And if you become a part of Booksprout or if you want to become a part of Booksprout as a reader, then I would recommend that you jump on there now. My next series is on there, um, Block and Delete, is book one of the Social Games trilogy and it is a young adult dystopian adventure. Literally, just think... The AI algorithm is a government. Your followship literally determines how far you will go in life and block and delete means death. It's a metaverse meets the matrix style book that um, I'm I'm loving sharing with my ARC team right now. So if you want to jump on there and get it before it comes out in July, which is very, very, very soon, um, you can follow me. Find my group, actually. Find my group on Facebook, it's different to the group that I have both of them in the show notes of this. It's different to the group that I have for the podcast. So you can join the Writer's Advice podcast group on Facebook, but you can also join Olivia's Fabulous Readers if you want to receive any of my ARC copies through the fabulous online invention that is Booksprout. That's enough for me. Let's get into this episode. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. All right. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice podcast, everyone. I am very excited because on this episode, I am joined by Zoe Coyle, an incredible Australian author. So thank you so much. Wait, I want to say you've got an accent actually now. I've said that, but I've called you Australian. But <laughs> I, I am Australian and yeah, yeah. I do have a weird accent. But I, I'm a, I was born here. I've got an Australian passport. I also have a UK passport and I've lived oh, there nice. for a lot too. But I'm Australian. My kids are Australian. So you got it right. Awesome. Perfect. Now, you, you are hot on the release of your brand new book, The Dangers of Female Provocation, which literally I read this in one sitting and at the start, I, know I was just like, firstly, just going page by page, like I have to know what's going on. And then I was like, gosh, this is so good for any female to read and the emotions that just rose in me. And I'm like, how has this not been done before? Like, it feels really original to me, the exact way you've written it around, but it's so, oh, it's such a good storyline, but I'm going to let you give this synopsis of it. So 
Firstly, thank you so much for your incredible book. <laughs> uh, you've just made me so happy because I really, I really wanted it to, I, I really didn't want it to be a rant or, um, or, or just a sort of a, a ex- excluding. I want it to be a really good, fun read. That's yeah. very important to me. And I hope men read it too. I have to say that um, giving it to my close circle of men friends, I certainly did that before I published it to say, is this a bit ranty or is it all right? And um, they got very quiet and said, do women actually feel like this? And I said, well, I'm not a mouthpiece for all women, but yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, and then my husband, when he read it, he was quite quiet for a couple of days. And then he said, you know, are we all right, my darling? Are you okay? <laughs> I said, we're fine. We're fine. Um, I, I am not a man hater, just to say I love men. Uh, my favorite person is a man. I have two sons. So I wasn't out there to to grind an axe, but I, I, but I very much wanted to have a conversation about what it's like to be a woman and that um and I wanted to pour a little petrol on that conversation and the fact that um the playing field is not level in my opinion you know I I one of my best friends he said to me oh come on Zoe you know it seems pretty level to me from where I'm looking and I I said yeah really through your white male privilege it, it probably does but I have two teenage daughters and uh last night I was walking with my 14 year old and she was in her school uniform and she was walking a bit ahead of me and a, and a car load full of men screamed at her and I think they thought it was playful this kind of yeah. sexual banter um but I would have loved to have seen what Odessa my main character in the book would have done because because I was just <laughs> I was just seething internally <laughs> Yeah, I wow. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I like when you're talking about it again. I was like, oh my god, I need to dive into this book again because there's so many good. It's it's. I, I wouldn't call it a rant. I think it's very smart and very well done. And I think for any woman, it, it brings up that part of you that I feel like sometimes you have to, have to actually suppress. And then reading through this, you know, you you feel that that side of you again. And I think it's ah. Oh, I don't want to give too much of it away. I just highly recommend it. And I love that you've given it to so many men as well, because I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think of that. And I think that's really great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, I mean, I, as, as a feminist, which obviously you pick up, I am reading this book. I, I think that feminism needs to include everybody and men need to come to the table and need to be included respectfully at the table. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like that term toxic masculinity because mm. it implies there's something wrong in the DNA of men. I don't believe that. Some men that I know are deeply beautiful and 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 feminists, even if they wouldn't use that title. And it's not even about a title. So I, I really hope that some men read it. And certainly my best female friends have been giving it to their husbands and yeah. roaring with laughter. And that'll probably make sense when we talk about what the plot is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, we're, we've kind of just dived in and, and gone straight to it. But do you want to give listeners a little bit of um, a synopsis of the overall book? And then I would love to hear the how this initial idea essentially came to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks for allowing me to just sort of go maraud all over the place in it. my conversation. <laughs> so, so the book is about Odessa Odin and she's 38 and she's living in London and she's living this very uh, privileged life and very uh, she has a very successful career and what she thinks is a very happy marriage. 
um, to a man that she adores. And she uh, has a very close group of female friends who she loves very much. And then through a series of events, predominantly the death of her father, who she, she, she idolized, and then finding out that her husband has had an affair, it it's detonates an atomic bomb inside her. And how that manifests, instead of her probably popping herself in therapy, which would be what I would have advised, um, and directing her pain towards her husband, it evolves into extreme rage. And the rage and hurt is so great that she doesn't know what to do with it. And so she decides to saddle it up, harness it up for good, and use it to re-educate her sisterhood's husbands, who she thinks are not loving her sisters as well or as uh, respectfully and and kindly as they should do. So I I really wanted to avoid the trope of the insane woman who lashes out. I think we've all seen enough of that cliche. I wanted to write a book about a woman who's really smart and really successful and experiences some trauma and doesn't know how to deal with it, and then pushes it into a mode of behavior that I look, I wouldn't sanction, but pushes it into a mode of behavior where she thinks that what she justifies to herself is that she can use her rage for good, to be an avenging angel or a re-educator on behalf of her sisters and then all women, basically. Mm -hmm. So she uses... Um, any and all means possibly possible to to reeducate these men from sleeping with them to um, hacking into their computers to extorting them and uh, and she tries to drag them back into their marriages as better men. Yeah, I love that. And you said something about the whole like crazy scorned woman trope, and I think that was what the the best part of this book was. It, it wasn't that you put a spin on something from that provokes you know even though that you know the storyline goes wild and I love it but it puts a spin on something that I think is like can be a very deep female emotion and it's actually told from a female and so that's why I think once again it's really good to put that get a male's perspective on it because I feel like that's where that score like that that trope comes in and, and you've turned it on its head and made it Absolutely amazing. Like I love it. I also really wanted to explore, and I and I know I haven't answered the, your second question, but I really wanted to explore female rage. Mm. And the reason for that is because uh I don't think I think I had totally disavowed my anger until I was in my 30s because yeah. I grew up like most of us. And look, I know I know generalization is a really blunt tool, so forgive me using it. Uh, but I'd, I'd grown up like most women uh, being told that my anger was uh, inappropriate, scary, ugly, unnecessary. You know, all those words we hear around it, you know, harpy, shrew, mad, hysterical, um, calm down, all that sort of language. And then I... And so when I was in my 20s, I basically had a PhD in resentment. And, and you know, because resentment is unexpressed anger. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm talking, you know, obviously there's healthy anger and then very unhealthy anger. I'm not talking about the unhealthy anger where we over-identify with that emotion and we're bitter and jealous and mean of spirit. But healthy anger, which allows us to draw boundaries, to say what we need, to... Um, leave a bad relationship, to leave a bad job, to um, start uh, to, to lead a movement. I think healthy anger has a real force to it. And I wanted to look at what happens or what could happen to an intelligent, sensitive, interesting woman 
who has been bottling down her anger for so long that it erupts in a monumental way. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of what I tried to explore. Because also, and then forgive me, I, I'm getting a little bit randy here. No, I find it really interesting that there's this generalization that some emotions are more available for men and some for women. So, you know, for women, we're allowed tears and, and vulnerability. And for men, and of course, it's, it depends what culture we're talking in. But in Australia, that sort of hypermasculinity is, mm-hmm. it's aggressive and um, not too many of those weak emotions in inverted commas. And, you know, I've seen it with, I've got two daughters and two sons. I've seen, you know, a, a man at, at, who, like I was out at a sports event with my older son and my son was crying and this man was trying to be friendly, but he said, uh, you know, stop crying. People will think you're a girl mate to my, mm. to my son. And, you know, another son's been told, don't kick like a girl. So that whole idea of weakness in the feminine, I just wanted to, I wanted to detonate all of that and blast, blast it sky high. Yeah, yeah. You call you you called it a bit of an atomic bomb before, and it, it is. I love it <laughs> in the best way possible. So. <laughs> now, your writing in general. Um, so, so, so this is your second book. What is it? Is it like certain things? Like you'll just see something, be like you know, see this part in life or see this emotion. Is that what is the original inspiration for you to become a writer? Is that how you started? Where did it? Where did it all kind of start for you? That's a great question. I think I'd wanted to be a writer for a very long time. And the honest answer is I just wasn't brave enough. Um, And I'd done a lot of rationalizing it, thinking that I just didn't have the time and I, I, you know, I I needed to, to work to earn money and I was having babies and, and then it's that great gift that I don't think people speak about enough, which is as you get older, the commodity of time is so precious. And so it was turning 40, where I'd been writing for magazines and things, but turning 40, I just went, I've got to give this a go. I've got to write a novel. And the cliche is uh, just that awareness of, I will really regret this if I don't give this a go at the end of my life. And, And what held me back was well, just all the raft of fears that I guess anyone can think of, but the idea that it wouldn't be good enough, wouldn't be interesting, wouldn't be art, wouldn't be all the things. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't, you know, I didn't, all of that was just silencing. So I just had to chain all of that up and go for it. And then there's another possible angle to this, which I should put in, which is my first book, Where the Light Gets In. I started writing in my early 30s and didn't complete and then I started writing various other novels and I've heard some of my writing buddies have said to me if you don't pursue that first really big idea it just blocks everything up Mm -hmm. and so I couldn't complete anything so I went back to that first novel and grabbed it and sort of pulled it out of the rubble and wrote that one and then um, I met someone who I'd finished I hadn't got a I hadn't got a contract or anything for publication but I'd finished it as far as I could and I and I was at a barbecue and this this man said to me so what have you done I said well actually I, f- I finished a novel yesterday and he said have you started the new one today and I was like, oh, my God, that's so, that's so full on. What do you mean? And he's like, you should just start straight away because whether you get it published or not, you have no control over that. And um, so, look, this, sound, this, this anecdote I'm going to tell you sounds a little bit sponsored by Disney, but I promise you it's true. The first one was a real labour of plotting and character. This one, I was literally going for a run. And, I, and, I, and look, this sounds a bit sort of 
it just sounds like nonsense, but it's true. I just said, all right, I'll have the idea. I want the complete idea for the novel. Please give it to me. And as I was running, I literally just thought, and you know, I'd had a couple of sort of various ideas before. And then I, and then I got the novel almost in full. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And there is so much to that, that I want to dive into actually it's so random because literally just I I don't know if you've read like Big Magic by Elizabeth oh yeah all that stuff yeah yeah yeah. and I literally just saw a quote but uh just honestly just before I hopped on this podcast and it was from Taylor Swift and she's like I love like talking about her music writing and she was like the my favorite thing about writing is I actually don't know where it comes from like that's the that's the magic of it. It's like yeah, hundred percent. You just you can be especially in something like movement, like being on a run. I love that as well of where the inspiration pops in, and it's like yeah. that moment, and you're like, go. Did you sit down? And I, I love that book, and I highly recommend that to any of your listeners. Yeah. I think that that idea. What I love about it too, even though it it has that spiritual bend of the mystery of an idea dropping in, and if you don't use it, the idea will jump ship to somebody else. Yeah, I find that it's it's a gift that you get um, because. What you said at the beginning, I agree. Why has this novel or film not been written before? It seems so, like when it arrived to me, I was like, surely that's been done before. Maybe I've read that before. Um, So there's that. But what I also love about Big Magic is that idea of don't hang around waiting for the muse. Just sit at your desk or in your bed or wherever you're going to write and just do it. Mm-hmm. And that was instrumental. That was a that That book was instrumental in me at 40 going, just do it. Just do it. There's never going to be a good time. 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, and then and then and then eking it out. But um, gosh, you're so easy to talk to that. I know, I love it. <laughs> is it's just being a woman. It's being a woman in the world. And um, so, for example, both books. The first book is around um, a woman who's trying to find her sense of belonging and trying to save herself. Because I wanted to write against that trope that you need, if we speak in a heteronormative lens, that you need a man to save you or mm-hmm. even a partner to save you. You know that we're obsessed with coupledom. My my personal belief is you have to save yourself. You mm-hmm. have to your own work um, to sort yourself out, to make peace in the world, to work out what belonging looks like to you. And so that was very much harnessing my 20s and the grief after my mother died. And then this one was raising teenage girls and two little boys and being worried for all of them and excited for all of them. But my girls getting grabbed on buses and so on and me Mm. going, amazing that that's still happening, Mm. that it's happens and why and and it's not the boys faults because they haven't been educated properly so I just I just thought you know what if a woman wanted to do some educating how exciting (laughs) yeah absolutely and I also love it because it's like all those little things that you just stop and go oh why what if oh why what if and all those little things happen and then they build up and they've created something absolutely amazing so I absolutely love 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 this book but um what, yeah, what's next for you? Are you like, are you kind of constantly writing? Are you kind of constantly like thinking about the next idea or you just wait till it happens? And, and yeah, what's kind of like your ideal writing life? Yeah, look, I've been for quite a few runs and said, I'll have the book entirely <laughs> And that has not happened. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that will ever happen again in my life. And, I, and, and it did wig me out a bit in the beginning. So it was just that that really humble process of just going back to the back to the desk, back to the desk. And so look, I am writing book three, and it's a very 
writing book two is very different to book one and writing book three is very different. The through line would be it's relational. I'm very interested in the, the dynamics between people. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested in people's blind spots um, and that when we come into relation with another person, those blind spots can be really illuminated. I <laughs> love the tension of that. So I'm thinking particularly of Elliot and Odessa from, yeah. from this book. Um, but so the, the book that I'm writing at the moment is about a, a man and a woman who fall in love on a silent retreat. And oh, wow. where that idea came from was that I was on a silent retreat in England at the end of last year. And um, at the end, you know, we, we didn't speak for the whole week. And, and over the course of the week, without my conscious knowledge, I had fabricated stories and identities for every single woman that I was on the retreat with. I didn't fall in love. I'm still in love with my husband. <laughs> Spoiler alert, uh, and it's not a memoir. But when on the final day, when we broke our vow of silence and started speaking, I, I just, I was so shocked by people's accents and their careers and their stories. And I had created completely fabricated identities. So, and it was deeply beautiful, the space that we were in. And I thought this is the kind of area where I could imagine that you could fall in love where it's so heightened. And so I was really interested in the idea. So this one is written in the masculine and the feminine. It goes between the two. She's having a deeply spiritual time. He's hugely cynical about the experience. Um, they become lovers, but with the fabricated other. And, and then they meet 30 years later. So that's where I'm at with it. Oh my gosh. I love this idea too. And what an amazing experience. Like that is just deeply creative in itself to go and do something incredible like that I absolutely love that yeah it was and here's the gift and maybe this goes a bit back to big magic the weirdness of these things I did that as a gift to myself when I'd done the final edit for dangers of female provocation because you know I'd been so it was a silent retreat with a lot of yoga because I'd been bound to my computer and had been very in my head in my head and I thought I, I just want to so look, I, I did do some mummy stuff first, you know, I pressed my babies to me and my husband and said, <laughs> I remember you and I love you and thank you. Um, and then I, and then I went away to this retreat and um, it, it's just interesting because I was there thinking it'd be beautiful if the idea for the book came in and then I kept thinking, oh, no ideas come in, you know, in Savasana thinking, why has no idea come in? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, the irony. And then of course I was writing something else and then I went, oh, I've missed it. I was just looking so hard, trying to be a good girl and get the idea that I missed what was percolating up in me. Oh my God. I absolutely love that. I love that so much. I could, I could, um, yeah. It's so interesting when your mind tries to force something and when it just let it happen, I can tell you a million stories about that as well. I, I think it's absolutely great. And I just dive into all this creativity of all of it. It's amazing. But so I've got a, like a couple of questions for you, for our audience, because I just, love the stories of how these stories have come to you. What would you say is the biggest um, advice for, you know, cultivating and, and nurturing that creativity in, in someone that's writing at the moment? Well, I would say if you haven't watched The Gap by Ira Glass, do you know that? No, I do don't. It's like a three-minute thing on YouTube. It's either called the, the Gap or the Creative Gap, but Ira Glass, he's yep. the, he's that does um, that podcast, This American Life. Yeah. And it is a three-minute thing on um, the gap between what we want to do in our heads and then what we create, and then we crucify ourselves for the gap in the middle there. And it's really helpful because it just says that that's what all artists do. And you're an artist because you've got good taste 
and the good taste propels you forwards. But the crisis is that then you know everything you're doing is falling short. Mm. So I that is really helpful. I would say don't go back and read what you've written too much. Just press forward. Yeah. I don't know who said it to me. There was a someone, I read it. They didn't say it to me, but it went directly into my heart that writing a novel is like driving a car at night. You can only see as far as the headlights. So the just the pressing forwards is the thing. And and if you have control freak tendencies like me, that's really difficult because you want to go back and clean things up. Yeah. But press forwards. And then I would say it's not always an intellectual process. So for me, when I would get stuck, I would like a kid, I would use textures and colored post-it notes. And I don't love the term brain dump. I just think it's mm. ugly because I think it's more a heart dump, but I would get on the floor and I would just, that beautiful question you were asking before, you're like, what if? And it's like that question, what if, what if, what if, or what would happen now? It's like dropping a pebble into a pond. And then your job is just to yeah. follow those beautiful circles out and don't limit yourself. So with Odessa, for example, I would think, um, so when I say I got the story for whole, I, I, I got that through line. I knew that she, I knew that there were going to be a group of women each with a husband and that she was going to pick off each husband in turn. But then I had to work out how and why. And, and that was fascinating, that process and trying not to make any a cliche so that the writer would be surprised and trying not to display Odessa's hand too early. So I would, I would literally get on the floor with butcher's paper and write, she could do this, she could do this, she could do this. And, and then I, and then I would just sit with the ideas and I would usually pick the one that made me feel most afraid. Oh, I love that. I would go (laughs) for that because, you know, I really, I I really have a strong moral code and, you know, when I've behaved badly in the past, I've regretted it deeply and it's, uh, you know, still heavy weight that I've got to carry. So I hold myself to very high account. So it was really exciting to go, would she do that? Would she do that? She might, she might, let's, let's give it a whirl. Uh Um, but then there were other ideas that I needed to cipher through other people because um, I didn't, you know, the creativity, it's also looking through my own lens. I didn't want it to be offensive. So, for example, when she was hunting for things she could use against the men, one of the men I was thinking might have a specific kink like um, like cross-dressing. And then I was just, do you know what, Zoe, put that down. That 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 whole beautiful, rich landscape of the trans community um, mm. on one end through to people that have kinks around cross-dressing, um, it, it, that's, it's, it's too nuanced, too, too large, not mine to, yeah. to delve into there. So put that down. Um, d- just stick in your own lane, but let's go as far as we possibly can in that lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I I, this, I love hearing about that whole planning process of like, okay, which way do we go? And that quote with, you can only see as far as the headlights. Do you, have you always known your endings? Or you've kind of just let the story no, go? No, 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 I haven't. I, I do, I do strongly believe in hope. Yeah, and I'm not a nihilist. So even though I read very broadly, and a lot of the literature I read is is pretty dark. Um, Personally, I want to explore dark ideas, but I'm interested in the light. I'm interested in the bravery and the valiance of turning your face towards the light. Yeah. Uh, so, look, this book has a thriller aspect. It, yeah. it opens with 
the ending. Um, and then it opens with Odessa being thrown off a bridge and then you buy two people that she recognises and then you explore what happens from that. But I also, you know, that was really complex for me because in the canon, as we know, women that behave badly in inverted commas are always punished or killed. Mm. And I wanted to invert that trope as well because it's not fair. Men get to behave badly and and they're often celebrated for it. <laughs> so I had to I had to really crunch that idea around and hopefully you found the ending satisfying um, because I wanted to look at accountability and forgiveness and I wanted to look at how women behave as opposed to men generally and what would happen on a global level if women had just their rightful voice at the table mm-hmm. because my belief, and this one does overlap with Odessa's, because uh, we're not we're not totally aligned. She's certainly not me. Is that you know the entire world would be different if women had a seat at the table, and I mean politically, environmentally, yeah. socially, education level, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. That's why I want this book like so widely read because there's so many different like ideas and things that can come from it that it grows so much. But also, I completely forgot uh, the start of the book when. You did finish with the ending, sorry, start with the ending, because I remember reading that at the start and you've done that so beautifully now, I think, again, because it's like you think it's going to be a completely different book than it is. Like sometimes you can read a book where it starts with an ending and you're like, okay, I can see where this is going, where you've done that so it's so well done that way. And it, oh, yeah, I'm it, so happy to yeah. hear that because, and I hope this doesn't sound too earnest, but Part of the thing that I wanted to look at in the book, as I mentioned before, is perspective, that we all have opinions and perspectives without enough information. Mm. You know, we meet a person and we think they're one thing, like I did on the silent retreat. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this with immense humility or, and I wanted the book to have that meta experience of, okay, we think it's this. And then as we go through, we're going to think, oh, well, it's definitely those people that threw off the bridge or those people or those people. And you you really also, I wanted that other current too of, oh my God, whoever's literally throwing off the bridge, she's throwing herself off the bridge. You know, yeah. she's, she's, she is with every act that she takes, she is trading something, her peace of mind, um, that, that goodness is a resource. I wanted to explore that without moralizing it. And that she recognizes that, that she recognizes that she is sacrificing and that it is painful for her, but she she thinks that there's a heroicism to that. Mm, yeah, 100%. Well, there is so many layers. Like, I'm also romantic. So that's in that too. You yeah. know, I also really, really believe in love. And when I say romantic, I don't even necessarily mean sexually. Like my, you know, my friendship with my sisterhood have been some of the best romances of my whole life and are so yeah. important to me. And, um, that, that, that beauty of deep friendship, mm. whether it's sisterhood or men or men and women, and then the surprise of who we fall in love with and that, that that I really believe that um oh my gosh this really should have backup music and, and smoke machine <laughs> what I'm gonna say now I can see my brothers all cringing but I believe in the redemptive power of love there we are yes <laughs> <laughs> that's like the one line for this book I love it I love that so I hope so I hope so <laughs> yeah that is so good oh my gosh so I could literally chat to you 
for so long on this. I have absolutely loved, um, if everyone, everyone needs to get the dangers of female, provo- I always say this word wrong, provocation, provocation. It is a tricky word. <laughs> it I is. love that. It's a bit stumbling because I wanted the title to be a bit of a mouthful as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought that idea anyway, but I, yeah, the dangers of female provocation. You got yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, I've said it a few times. <laughs> um, everyone honestly needs to get their hands on this, men and women. But if anyone wants to get in contact with you, where can they where can they reach out? So I'm on Insta. Um, yeah. You can find me at Zoe Hearts Books. So zoe.hearts is in H-E-A-R-T-S dot books. Or uh, my writing site is uh, zoecoil.com. So Z-O-E-C-O-Y-L-E.com. That's Excellent. me. Excellent awesome i will put all these in the show notes and yeah i'm excited i mean no pressure but i'm also excited for the next one. <laughs> oh, not at all it's just such a delight talking to you i, I want to hear all your thoughts now i feel like i've talked too much no, Let's no, go. So great. and then i'll stay silent and you talk <laughs> oh thanks so much for coming on zoe my great pleasure thank you for having me